just past Galatians and Ephesians. Begin reading in verse 21. You follow along as I read aloud. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not, or I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and the joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. We'll pause there in our reading. This is way more than we're going to be able to cover tonight. John wrote in his third letter, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Do we walk in truth? Well, that question's pretty easy to answer. It may not be the answer we want to give. But the first question is a question that the Pontius Pilate asked Jesus. What is truth? What is truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the and the life. No man comes to the Father but my me. And the Scripture says, my word is truth. And so, do we live our life and walk according to the truth, the Word of God? That's why I said the question is pretty simple to answer. It's either yes or no. We would like to qualify and say, sometimes, most of the time, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm doing pretty good. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, we either are or we aren't. And I trust that we are. Because Paul said, and John said, and Randy Casey says, I have no greater joy than to know that you all are walking in the truth. 
Because ever since I became pastor here, I've tried to share with you the truth. I've tried to preach the Word of God to help you. Let's talk to the lady last night. She was raised Roman Catholic. She uh, was terrified to go to the Baptist church. I mean, you all know how Baptists are. <laughs> so, so she was scared to go to a Baptist church. And, uh, but somebody invited her to a Bible study. And she went to this Bible study, and she got saved in this lady's basement. And as a result of having gotten saved, uh, this lady suggested that she attend church with her so she could learn more about the Scripture. And the lady said, uh, uh, you know, uh, here's the name of the church. And she said, it was a Baptist church. She said, I was really hesitant, but I went. And she said, they got up and they prayed and they passed an offering plate. And she said, in my heart, I said, I knew it. These Baptists are all about money. It's always money with them. And I'm thinking, okay, you must have been real little when you were in the Catholic Church because they tell you what your tithe is. Okay? Well, we do too. We tell you it's 10% of gross because that's what God's Word says. Okay? But uh, she said, uh, she said, man, I didn't, I didn't know about that. She said, uh, I just, I'd always heard, yeah, it's, it's Baptist. They want you to get saved and then it's all about money. And uh, I said, so, so did you change your mind? And she said, as a matter of fact, she said, I... Uh, was talking with this lady about my hesitancy, the lady in her Bible study. She said, I was talking to her about my hesitancy in doing it. And she said, the lady said, uh, oh, and she went on to say why she was hesitant. She said, we just bought a new house. And we just had a new baby. And, and she said, we just started a new job. And, and money was very, very tight. And uh, she said, I, I told that to the lady. And the lady said, you know what? I was exactly where you are. And she said, the scripture, somebody showed me in the scriptures that you are to test God. You're to test Him. Malachi chapter 3. Try me therefore, saith the Lord, and see if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you'll not be able to receive. And she said, so, uh, I had an old beat up car. I was driving this car began to have trouble with it. And she said, I, uh, one night I just said, okay, God, it's yours. I know it's yours. She said, I'm going to give you 10%. Even though I need to get my car fixed, I'm going to give you 10%. And she said, the next Sunday, she put 10% of her gross salary. In the offering plate. And she said, she told her husband, you have to take the car down and get it fixed. And he took it down to get it fixed. Found out it wasn't broke. <laughs> and she said, he came back and he said, whatever it was doing, it's not doing anymore. And, and, it, and it's running great now and the mechanic couldn't find anything wrong. And she said, I looked at him and I said, from this day forward, we give God 10%. <laughs> and they have. And God has blessed them abundantly. 
above all that we could ask or think. I mean, just open the windows of heaven on them. In that same passage, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Okay? Uh, Who's the devourer? If we don't give it to God, Satan gets it. I mean, he, he comes after it. And you have all these unexpected expenses. She said, the very next week, my washing machine died. And she said, I went in and I looked at that washing machine and I said, okay, God, your washing machine's broke. I told my husband, he had to look at it. He went in, turned it on, worked fine, said we never had any more problem with it. <laughs> or, or didn't for a long time, it, you know, kept, kept running for a long time. And uh, she said, but I wish everybody could know that tithing results in blessing. Always. And uh, I wish people would know too, our offering would be well, quite a bit higher. But uh, look, God's not broke. He's always going to meet our needs. He just asks us to walk in truth. Okay? Paul says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Conversation. That's an old English word that doesn't mean your speech. We talk about conversation, talking with somebody. But conversation means your whole lifestyle. Okay? And, and why, would it, why did it used to mean that? Because years ago, people knew that what you did talked a lot louder than what you said. Isn't that true? Yeah. What you do talks much louder than what you say. And so, we can say that we're followers of Christ, but if we don't live like a follower of Christ, people know we're lying. We may not know we're lying, but everybody else in the community knows. We've got countless, countless emails and countless Facebook posts about Ron being a Christian. And I'm grateful for that. Not because Ron tried to be a Christian. Ron tried to be a follower of Jesus. But that makes people think you are a little Christ, which is what the word Christian means. What do people think of you? Are you a little Christ? In your home, do people, do the family members think you're a little Christ? That you, that you are a, a follower of Jesus? Or on your job? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do people think you're a Christian because you're a follower of Jesus? In the community. Wow. Paul says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, what do you mean the faith of the gospel? What do you, what, why would we have faith in the gospel? What does the gospel do? Somebody tell me. What does the gospel do, Sandy? It saves us. What else does the gospel do? Cleanses us. What else does the gospel do? Guides us. What else does the gospel do? Tells us the truth. Yeah. Tells us about ourselves. 
pretty unpleasant the first time. And then, and then you think, okay, it's the gospel that's going to cleanse me. So you jump right in. <laughs> okay. And one more thing the gospel does. It saves others. Gospel doesn't, didn't just save me. How many of you got saved according to the gospel? Hmm? Yeah. Faith in the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Saved me, and it saved you. How did you get saved? I mean, you don't have to answer out loud, but think about it just for a minute. How did you get saved? Did you discover on your own the historical fact that Jesus was born, lived, died, was buried, rose, and you thought, wow, that's, that's the kind of guy I want to follow. Or did somebody tell you? Did somebody tell you? Somebody told me. <laughs> In fact, the truth of the matter is, a bunch of people told me. Okay? One day the Holy Spirit came to me and said, Jesus loves you. Do you love him? Check yes or no. You know that little third grade? <laughs> little third grade? <laughs> note with the boxes on it, you know? <laughs> that your best friend gives you from her best friend. Okay. It was like that. Holy Spirit, who turns out to be my best friend, said, Jesus loves you. Do you love him? And all of a sudden, the gospel made sense to me. It showed me I was a sinner. Because Christ had to die for me. Because the wages of sin is death. And when he died for me, he took my sins and nailed them to his cross, covered them in his blood, and then waited for me to say, I love you. I believe that you died for me, that God raised you from the dead, and I'm asking you to be my Savior. And when I did that, boom, done deal. You know, I am not going to have eternal life someday. I have it. Okay? Ron has eternal life. Okay? But even if he was still here, he'd still have eternal life. I mean, he had eternal life last week and the week before. And since the last 50 years, since he's 11 years old, he had eternal life. Because he trusted Christ as his Savior. And he wanted... Lots and lots of people to know it. Oh, man. He used to... He'd say, Randy, guess who I saw today? I'd say, I have no idea. <laughs> He'd tell me who it was. And I'd say, really? He'd say, yeah, we had lunch together. Or, or, or we had a Coke, you know, we sat down and talked for a little while. And, and uh, he said, and they were telling me about their life and, and how messed up it was, you know. And he'd say... Uh, I said, well, what would you tell him? He said, I looked him in the eye and I said, you take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. And the first thing you need is Jesus. Now, you going to come to church Sunday morning with me? <laughs> Bunch of them came. Some of them didn't. But everybody remembers that Ron told them the truth. Because Ron believed the Word of God. Paul says that if our conversation becomes the gospel, as it becometh the gospel, as it 
Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. To, to, be, to be comely means to be pretty. Okay? So if you become the gospel, you make the gospel attractive. Okay? And that's what our life's supposed to do. It's supposed to become the gospel, to make the gospel look more attractive, to draw people to it. Because the truth is sweet. And so he says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. In nothing terrified by your adversaries. I've been with lots of families at the deathbed of loved ones. Okay? And the ones that do not know Jesus are terrified of death. Terrified of dying. You don't see it in yours much anymore because they have learned to keep people sedated right before they pass away. So they don't have to deal with the screaming. And the crying and the weeping. When a believer passes away, it's almost always sweet. You know? It's like you're putting them on the plane to go on vacation. You see them at the airport the last time, hug their necks and say, Have fun. You step out of your sight. Get on the airplane, take off. And we stand on ground in St. Louis saying, Bye, see you later, hurry back. And the people on the other end, usually family, are sitting, standing there at the airport saying, Oh man, hope he gets here soon. Hope he gets here soon. That's what they did for Brother Butch. Hope he gets here soon. The plane lands. In heaven, you don't have to wait outside the gate. You can go right up to the gate, meet them at the gate. And uh, they don't have security issues like we do. <laughs> and the families stand there to meet them. Jesus is standing there to meet them. Wow. So we don't have to be terrified by death. The grave is just the portal to eternity. Just a hole in the ground. Put the body in there. Soul is gone home to heaven. Paul says, To you it's given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. What's the conflict? Well, Paul's in prison, okay? And he's been beaten numerous times. And he's been stoned. And he's been uh, shipwrecked. He's been uh, out, in the, out in the Mediterranean Sea. You know, we think of Mediterranean Sea as just a big lake. It's 1,300 miles across from end to end. Okay? 1,300 miles, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> if you're only 50 miles from shore, you can't see it. <laughs> so you think in the middle of the ocean. Paul said he was, uh, he was in the deep a day and a half. 
Okay? All of these things. And he says, having this same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me, if there be any consolation in Christ, we grieve over the loss of loved ones. We get really, really homesick and we want to see them one more time and we want to tell them we love them one more time. And, you know. But if there's any consolation, it is in Christ. It is in Christ. And we are in Christ when we accept Jesus as personal Savior. In fact, Paul said, this is an incredible mystery. Now, mystery is not something you don't know about. It's something you didn't know about before, but you see it now. Okay? If somebody tells you a mystery story, you can go to the back chapter and read the last chapter and find out who did it. Okay? If it doesn't tell you who did it in the last chapter, it's not a mystery story. It's an irritation. Okay? Why would they leave you hanging like that? It's what my, our mom used to do to us. She'd be reading a story at night, and she'd stop at the most exciting part and say, okay, we'll finish tomorrow. Finish tomorrow night. Man, that's why I learned to read so early. I couldn't wait to finish tomorrow night. I had to know now. And so, uh, Paul says, this is a great mystery. The mystery is this, Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was a mystery people didn't know about before Jesus came, died on the cross, started saving people. Okay? And what makes it still a mystery is people can still discover it today. Okay? Our family, our friends, our acquaintances, people we meet on the street we've never seen before. They can discover the mystery. And what do you call a mystery? A whodunit. Okay? And what's the whodunit? Jesus did it. Jesus did it. That's what makes it so incredible. So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, wow. Joanne knows what's that like, what that's like. Those of you who have lost loved ones know what it's like, though you may, it, the memory may be fading. But when you're standing there and you feel alone and, you know, homesick, and somebody walks up and throws their arms around your neck, that's comfort of love. Especially if they or a fellow believer, because then if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, and our fellowship comes from the Holy Spirit. I met this guy, and somebody said, uh, said to me later, do you think he's saved? And I said, I know he's saved. They said, how do you know? I said, well, actually two reasons. Number one, I knew he was saved when I first met him. Because our spirits bore witness with one another. That we were both sons of God. And I said, the second way I know is because I asked him when and where he got saved. And he told me. Told me about his dad being a preacher. And how God was working in his life, preparing him. 
That's just way cool. I mean, that's all I know how to say it. Way cool. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies. Okay, you know what bowels are, right? Small and large intestines. But the Greeks said that's where your emotions were. And so, you, you know, if you want to tell somebody you really, really cared about them, you'd do anything for them, you'd say, I love you with all my guts. Now we say, I love you with all my heart. <laughs> Just, you know, not quite so put off by that. But for the Greeks, it was bowels. If there's any bowels, any mercy, any compassion, any love, any mercy on the part of others, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's what I like about this church. One mind. Somebody has a need. Family takes care of family. And we're family. And I rejoice that you are my brothers and my sisters. And if you're not saved, you're probably tired of being on the outside of the family looking in. So you can get saved tonight. Let's bow together in prayer. The invitation tonight is simple. We're not going to sing. We're not going to do anything other than I'm going to ask you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and you want to be saved, then when this service is over, you either come see me immediately or hang around until you get a chance to talk to me and say, Brother Casey, I want to get saved. And I'll take the time to tell you how you can do it. I'll help you from the Word of God, because you deserve to know the truth. Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask you to convict the heart of that one that needs Jesus. Maybe maybe people have thought they were saved for years and years. Maybe everybody knows they're not saved. I don't know. What I do know is if they know in their heart that they do not have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're not part of your family, And they don't have the hope of heaven. Lord, I know Ron, and I know my heart, and neither one of us want them to go to hell. And we do not know what a day may bring forth. So this may be the last chance they have. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.